Yeah, thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to be back in Waukee. Um, my wife and I enjoy coming up here very much. And today we are going to talk on Proverbs chapter 31. And so if you want to, you can open your Bibles or pull out your phones and get online and open up the scripture. We're going to be in Proverbs 31. We're going to learn uh, this proverb about a wise woman from a woman's point of view. And we're going to learn that her standing with God makes her stand apart. Her standing with God makes her stand apart. And uh, as I get started kind of into the message today, I want to pause and remind us that it was about seven weeks ago that I was here with you guys, and I kind of made some challenges for you guys. One of those challenges was that Dave is going to take a little bit of a rest. I said, it's not just a straight up vacation. It's not like he's just quitting for a while and it's all easy, but I said, he's going to take a rest. A sabbatical is a rest. And resting doesn't just come from time off work. If you remember, I said, resting doesn't come from just time away from the kids or a really good meal or taking a nap. Rest comes from Jesus Christ. He says, come to me, come to me, all who are weary. And so it was almost two months ago that I said that we were moving into summer. And uh, so my question is more of a statement. I won't make anybody answer, but I hope that you guys found rest because my, my, my challenge was right on the front side of the message to take some time to rest through this summer. I also challenge you to read through the Proverbs. So I hope that you were able to do that. Uh, and then thirdly, uh, that you would be ready from the rest and from the time in God's word, that you would be ready to just be, uh, moving forward in what God would call you to do in Waukee for the kingdom of God, for the building of God's kingdom. You know, this, uh, this church exists to live, love and give like Jesus. And so you exist to reach out into the community and to be Jesus' hands and feet. And so I hope that you took the opportunity to uh, rest, to have some time with the Lord. I hope you took the opportunity um, to just get down into the Word and learn from God. And then that you've taken the opportunity to hear from God. Because I believe that when Pastor Dave comes back in, I know he's been kicking around here. Um, but with the fall time and all the routines kind of changing, everybody will be going back to school. We want to hit the ground running at this church when it comes to ministry to this community. And uh, I know you guys are excited to do that. And uh, I'm excited to see how God uses you in that. So uh, our outline for today is going to be, uh, I just wanted to lay it out for you because this is a little bit of a different type of a message for me. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start out <clears throat> by looking at the definition of the perfect woman by the world's point of view. We're going to look at the definition of the perfect woman. Then from there, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, the definition from Proverbs. We're going to walk through Proverbs 31, just verse by verse. Uh, I was trying to break it up. There was different categories. I was trying to kind of figure out. I'm like, you know what? God just laid this out to us in this fashion. We're just going to walk through it in this fashion. And then at the end, I'm going to conclude with some big cultural questions that I believe that the world is asking regarding uh, women in the world. And I think that our, our culture is confused and God wants us to not be confused. He wants to give us some very helpful, very care, uh, caring, loving insight when it comes to this topic. And so um, let's just start out right away with the world's definition of the perfect woman. A few weeks ago when I was here, uh, I was on Google and I was Googling all kinds of things because we were talking about wisdom. And so I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to Google what, what is the perfect woman. And I'm going to caution you guys if you want to Google that. All right. Because the world wants to just say, okay, well, here you go. So I'm kind of filtering through some different articles and so forth of what the perfect woman is. I want to know if, if uh, uh, womanhood is an important topic for today. We know that there's marches you know, around America and marches around the world regarding women's rights and uh, what it means to be a woman. And so I'm like, well, I want to know what the perfect woman is. Uh, unfortunately, 
there wasn't a whole lot of helpful information for me, but I'm going to go through some of it just briefly with you. 11 Qualities of the Perfect Woman was, uh, was an article I saw in Men's Health. And we'll go through this really quick, and I won't extrapolate very, very much. But uh, it's, it's unfortunate if this is literally 11 qualities of the perfect woman. Uh, women, this was, I didn't make this up, so don't take this out on me later. Because this is, this is embarrassing, frankly, to me as a man. Uh, that Men's Health, I thought that was a credible source, but I don't get Men's Health magazine, so uh, I don't know that I would spend a lot of time there. But quality one, that you laugh at men's jokes. Quality two, that you are two to four years younger than the man. This is the perfect woman, the ideal woman. Quality three, that she smiles a lot. Quality four, that she has big breasts. I'll just say it. I know there's some young kids here, but this is what it is. This is what the world tells us. And I don't think kids would be too surprised by some of this. Long legs. Quality six, that they make money. Quality seven, that they have little feet. I guess that's a really important thing. The top 11 qualities. Seriously. Uh, Quality eight, they're educated. Quality nine, that they wear red. So ladies, if you wear red, you are so close to the perfect woman. Quality 10, that you have narrow hips. Quality 11, brown hair. So here's the deal. I took the, and I'm looking at this, and I did like a bunch of different searches, and this just kept coming up. It just kept coming up. I'm like, for real? Six of these qualities are outside of your control, ladies. They're genetic. That's not very hopeful for a person who wants to have joy in the world, that wants to have peace in the world. They're genetic. The other five are inconsequential. Out of 11 qualities of the perfect woman, by the world's standards, all 11 are almost totally useless. That should concern us greatly, especially as Christ followers. I was troubled by this. I learned a lot as I was going through this. And I, and I, was, I was actually troubled. Um, the, next, the next thing, I, I said, this is just from the men's point of view. I want to find something that a lady had written. So I found uh, five ways to be truly a modern woman by the New York Post. And um, again, we'll kind of just roll through these briefly. But the first one, the, the, uh, the lady who wrote the article says, work at being interesting. And this is the New York Post. So number one, work at being interesting. You want to be a modern woman, work at being interesting. It says, limit how much you use filler conversation. Less talk, less say more. Okay. Uh, quality number two, don't settle. It says, most of the advice that women get talks about men. And, and she just goes on to say, don't, don't settle. That leads to bitterness. You just find the right guy. If he's not right, dump him. Go to the next one. Find the right guy. Don't settle. Number three, take some pride in your appearance. This was her encouragement. Dress properly for the occasion. Uh, Number four out of five, take everything. uh, Don't take everything so personally. Not everything's about you. Actually, almost nothing is about you. Uh, People don't think of you as much as you imagine. Live your life. Don't get wrapped up in all petty grievances. So don't take everything so personally. Lighten up. And then the fifth one is be yourself. And then she says, I know, I kind of mocked being yourself at the appearance one because she kind of talked about that for a little bit. But she said, uh, like what you like and don't like what you don't like. So if you're a lady and you're uh, an author, then you can get something published in the New York Times or the New York Post, I'm sorry. Work at being interesting. Don't settle. Take some pride in your appearance. Don't take everything so personally and be yourself. I think that that was a lot better step in the right direction from the Men's Health magazine. But I would still say that there's not a lot of solid footing and foundation. And in a world that says that everything is always okay, everything 
is permissible. It doesn't matter. What we start to find is instead of being very caring and loving, that gives us unsettled foundations. All that shifts and moves. And Jesus says foundations are really important. And so um, what I what I realized when I was trying to define the perfect woman is I'm really asking a question. What do you value most? Because if you're going to look at a value structure and looking at uh, the, the feminine woman, uh, what, what it means to be a woman, you got to start with a value structure. Well, first and foremost, what's important to me? Because the valuable woman would have those values and qualities inside of her. And I think that might be something that we're missing when we look at the world and what their value system is. They're just kind of starting with a scatter shot. And as Christ followers, we don't, we don't start like that. We have a value system. And so the Bible is going to teach us today uh, what, it, what it looks like to be a woman. And uh, it's going to be helpful for us, I believe. Uh, the Bible is also often viewed as sexist and unfair. And I think that, uh, that we would look at it as being written in a time where uh, women were thought less of. And so when we look at the historical uh, record of the Bible, we often question it, its authority and integrity right away. Uh, perhaps the Bible is only maybe one of very few ancient documents that gives so much credence to women. So I want to, I want to check if you're pushing back on the Bible and say, well, this is an outdated, antiquated, male chauvinistic time period in human history. We really can't take it as an authority. I want to push back on that and say, Hey, let's first look at what the Bible says about women at large throughout the context of the scripture and see if this is something that God might have for us. Uh, that's, that's helpful. When you look at the negative female characters throughout the scripture, there's actually quite few in comparison to the fantastic examples of women. You have, uh, as a negative example, maybe a Job's wife, a Jezebel, a Delilah. They're, they're very few. Yet the, the Bible's loaded with fantastic examples of strong women. Sarah, Rahab, Ruth, Hannah, Esther, Abigail, Deborah, Mary, Mary Magdalene, Eunice, Lois, Elizabeth, Anna, Priscilla. And there are so many more. When I started looking at lists, I'm like, there, there's tons of lists. And I, shamefully, there was a lot of ladies in there. I'm like, I don't really know this lady in the scripture. And I should go back and study some of this. The scripture is loaded. So being written in a time period where uh, most of human history would say, yeah, they're degrading and looking down on, on ladies. The Bible rises up as a shining example to humanity to say, no, God values women very, very much. So much so that counterculturally, he put right in the forefront of many books and stories of the Bible, a strong woman to lead as an example for us. And though we won't look at all of those characters today because we've been in Proverbs, today we're going to look at the Proverbs 31 woman. And throughout the context of Proverbs, we've seen very many uh, different kind of characters of women uh, uh, brought to the forefront. And I think it's interesting. I'd also note that as we've been looking through Proverbs, you guys have been reading it together. Uh, it's, it's interesting that wisdom throughout Proverbs is often referred to as a woman. Proverbs 1, when I was here, remember I said that she, she screams in the streets, Proverbs 1 says, that wisdom is like a lady out in the streets trying to tell everyone to, to pay attention. And I was talking about the walkie triangle. It'd be like a lady just standing out there saying, hey, this is wise. This is what wisdom is. Yet throughout Proverbs, we see uh, other uh, examples of women. Proverbs 5 and 7 talk about the adulterous woman, that she's dangerous, that she spreads a bed for someone else to lay in while her husband's gone. And while the man that would 
would fall prey to that would be like an ox just being led to the slaughter. He doesn't really know what he's doing, but he's overcome with, uh, with her beauty and um, with the, the context that she's kind of brought up for him. And he just walks without wisdom, without understanding to his own demise and death. We have another lady who's a shame, a woman who shames her husband in Proverbs 12 verse 4. If you're taking notes, Proverbs 12 verse 4, it says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. There's also throughout uh, Proverbs these different kind of archetypes of women that the, the argumentative and quarrelsome woman. Proverbs 21, 19 says, Better it is to live in a desert than it with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. And a lot of the times we kind of we laugh at some of these verses, but again, this is for our instruction, right? And so when we look at it, we say, well, okay, we'll take note. Proverbs 25, 24 says, it's better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. In other words, and, and ladies, you may have noticed this when you're starting to get in an argument with your husband, and I'm not saying who's right or who's wrong. Sometimes the husband just wants to tuck tail and run. And that's what it is. is he, he goes up on the roof and he just gets in the corner and kind of pouts. For Proverbs 27, 15 says, a continual dripping on a raining day and a contentious wife are alike. I think of this as kind of like Chinese water torture. That's what, that's what the image is. It's just drip, drip, drip. And at first you're kind of like, oh, that's just annoying. But after a while, it's like, enough, help, help. Chinese water torture is uh, Proverbs 27. So that's kind of some of the, the different ladies that we have throughout Proverbs. But today in Proverbs 31, we see a, just an amazing uh, lady. Proverbs 31, if you're a Christ-following woman, you've probably heard messages on this. You've probably done 15 Bible studies on it. And so I'm not going to try to come as a huge authority on it, but I'm going to come as a guy who studied this for a while and learned a lot personally from it. Uh, as I listened to a lot of different messages and looked at different commentaries, um, it seemed like oftentimes they skipped the first nine verses. We're going to Use that as kind of a setup, and we're going to walk through it from there. But Proverbs 31 uh, talks about the fear of the Lord. Uh, it says, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I want to do some similarities, too, from Proverbs 1 and 31. This is interesting because we opened the book up. Now we're kind of shutting the book down. And there are similarities there that I had never picked up before. Uh, Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember how we started there? Proverbs 31, right at the very end, says a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This fear of the Lord and wisdom, if we're trying to avoid stupid in this church, there is a huge uh, truth that God is trying to just wash over us throughout the entire book of Proverbs about fearing God and what it means to revere him and what it means to put him on a throne, what it means to worship him as God and creator. And so uh, I don't want us to miss that. The book ends uh, with fear of the Lord, and this is an awesome character trait. Proverbs 1 is written from a father to his son. If you remember, Solomon is, uh, David is kind of sharing this wisdom with Solomon. Proverbs 31 is from a mother to her son. It's written to King Lemuel that we'll see in verse 1, and that means belonging to God. Some people think that this uh, King Lemuel, he's not mentioned anywhere else in the scripture. Some people uh, think that it might be King Solomon, and it might be Solomon's mother's name for him that he was belonging to God. And some of the things that she says throughout it, you think this might be uh, Bathsheba who's giving this wisdom to her son uh, before he becomes king. Verses 10 through 31 in this proverb are an acrostic. So if you, uh, in each verse, 
Proverbs, when it goes uh, 10 through verses 31, each verse starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's helpful, again, for us to understand what it's written like, because when we read it in English, it doesn't look like that at all. So it's almost like this mother is writing to her son, and she wants her son to know what an awesome woman would be. So this isn't written about a specific woman, like you should be just like this awesome woman. It's more broad than that. It's like, hey, if we want to talk about the perfect woman, this mother is imparting it to her son. This is what it would be like. And then she just starts out, A, she's like this. B, she's like this. C, she's like this. And it goes all the way down every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, Our English translations just simply can't do that uh, because our alphabet is different. But I want you ladies to know one of the things that I want uh, most out of this uh, sermon today is I feel like there's a lot of expectations that culture and ladies and mothers and children and fathers and brothers put on women. There's a lot of expectations. And the last thing that I want to do today is for have all the ladies come in and then we walk through this perfect woman and then the lady kind of bows her head and says, great, now I'm a bad Christian too. And it just heaps all this on. That's the last thing that I want. Instead, I want to say that When you look into culture, there's a lot that people are telling you that is really, really important about who you are and what you ought to love and what you ought to hate and what you ought to demand. And I'm going to humbly submit to you that God has also a foundation for you that he wants you to know. He doesn't want you to be lost in the dark and totally confused. Instead, he says, I love the women that I've created and I want you to know who you are and how great it is uh, that I love you. And so uh, we'll get to some of that at the, at the very end. But let's just start into the, the proverb here. Proverbs 31. And we're just going to start walking through it. Proverbs 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. She says, uh, What, O my son? And what, O my son of my womb? And what, O son of my vows? You think, well, what's kind of going on there? What she's doing is she, she's building up. She's saying, and what would I have for you, my son? Or what should I impart to you? Here it comes. She says, do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. So right off the bat, this mother is telling her son that's to be king. Hey, don't just uh, don't run around with the adulterous women. Don't don't be a womanizer, which I think as a mother's advice to a son, that makes sense. That's probably some pretty good wisdom. But also, let's just say big if they don't know if this is written to Solomon or not. But if it was Bathsheba talking to Solomon, he did not take his mother's advice. And what happened is he lost his kingdom because of all of his uh, running around and carousing with women. And that's too bad. As sons, we ought to listen to mothers sometimes, right? Verse three, do not give your strength to women or the ways that which destroys kings, which we found out. Well, that is true. That does happen. Verse four. If it is not for kings, O Lemuel, to, it is not for kings to drink wine. So she says, don't be a womanizer. Don't be a drunk. Those are, yeah. OK, that's re- that's really good. It says, uh, verse five, for they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. She says, basically, it's not fitting for your position to be an alcoholic. She says, uh, you're getting ready to have authority. And it's not fitting for you to act like that. This is, this is excellent advice. Verse 6, give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to him whose life is bitter. 
Verse 7, let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. So uh, some people, I've had so many conversations with people that are talking about alcohol and they want to justify it so much through the scripture. Uh, let's just remember that this, uh, when she says, go ahead and give drink to this guy, what guy? The guy who's about to die, all right? Or the guy whose life is wasted. When his life is just totally wasted and a total mess, sure, why not? It's done for him anyways. Uh, let him forget his troubles and just waste away, essentially. But that's not how kings act, and that's not the advice she would give her son. She says, you don't drink. Verse 8, open your mouth, she says, uh, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Verse 9, open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. So she says, don't be an alcoholic, don't be a womanizer, and stand up for the oppressed. Use the voice that you have to stand up for the rights of others. So this mother, as she imparts her wisdom to her son, she says, this is how you ought to be. And then she spends the rest of the context of this uh, proverb saying, and when you look for a wife, because it's very important that you have the right kind of lady in your life if you're going to be ruling a kingdom. And we would all say, yes. The significance of that relationship between husband and wife is very significant. And we know that the woman's uh, power and authority within, within a marriage covenant is extremely significant. So she goes into verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? For her jewels are far above, uh, I'm sorry, her worth is far above jewels. When you look at uh, what it says, excellent, this word excellent is really interesting. There's a lot of different uh, ways that you can translate it. A capable wife, a valiant wife, a virtuous wife. She says, this kind of lady is hard to find. As opposed to the lady, some of the other ladies in Proverbs that seem to be all around. She says, you need to find this virtuous wife, this excellent wife. And when you find her, her worth is more than jewels. And we see that about wisdom throughout uh, the context of Proverbs as well, right? We say, hey, wisdom is worth more than anything else that you can have. And so there's great, great worth here. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her, this mother says, and he will have no lack of gain. Let's, let's pause for a second and think about trust. He trusts her. Have you ever known a couple where there wasn't trust inside the marriage? Even boyfriend, girlfriend, any of the students around here, you have... You know, kids that are dating, and there's not trust. They're trying to grab the phone and sneak it while they're in the bathroom or something to see what's going on. Can I trust this person? Sometimes there's a separation of bank accounts, and then one's trying to see what's in the account or what it is that they're spending money on. This virtuous woman, the wise woman, her husband trusts in her. Um, if, if you think about through the Proverbs, there's uh, a story that comes up where this man, it says he leaves and this lady makes a, uh, a bed for, for another lover. And it says, my husband is gone with, the, with a large money bag. And you're like, what is that all about? That just means he's going to be gone for a long time because there's not like ATMs and stuff all over. So he left with a lot of money. And uh, some commentaries would say that's because also, a lot of times when these guys would leave, they didn't trust their wives. They thought that they'd steal all their stuff and leave. And this mother says, your relationship with your husband ought not be like that. And, and there ought to be this mutual care and concern to the point where it's, this, it's very, very open. 
our stuff is our stuff. Me stealing it would not make any sense. It's, it's just, it's ours. You taking a whole bunch of money or whatnot, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it's really ugly when you see people not trusting each other in these marriage relationships. Um, verse 12, we're just going to keep kind of rolling. Verse 12, it says, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. I want us to kind of draw out in that. Uh, this is a lifelong commitment. She doesn't just do good for him like when they were first married on the honeymoon. She's not just good for him when they had kids to help raise the kids. She's not just good for him for these short periods of time and the different flashes throughout our, our existence here on earth. She does good for him the entire time. This, this partnering in relationship is good for his entire life. This is the kind of lady that the, that the psalmist or the proverb uh, is, is drawing up. Verse 14. This is, I love this one. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. That's a, that's a weird one. Uh, so I got to ask, how many ladies around here are garage sale ladies? Or you love shopping the deals? You do, uh, shopping the deals. This is, I'm not going to come back and like hammer you. It's biblical. She's like a merchant ship. That's, ex, that's exactly what it's talking about. You do your own personal study. That Ben, Pastor Dave, what's he got? Ben coming in. He's crazy. That's what he's talking about. She's like a merchant ship. This woman finds the deals for her family. What you're going to see is you're going to start to see the value system for her forming up. What she values as a woman. And we're going to capstone it towards the end. But she, she's like a merchant ship. She goes out and she finds exactly what the family needs. She goes out and she knows where all the deals and the bargains are. My wife is awesome at this. Um, she goes out and she finds all the deals. She knows exactly what it is in the area that her family needs. And uh, I, I'm just here to tell you, the men don't. We don't at all. And we can kind of joke at it, but let's just be honest. When it's time to shop for Christmas or somebody's birthday, the ladies are the ones doing a pri primarily the shopping for that. Um, I was even looking at a statistic. It said, uh, uh, Forbes magazine said 70 to 80% of all consumer purchasing is made by females. And so the guys would be like, I knew you spent all the money. No, no, no. You got to pause on that for a second. 80%. That's like American commerce. So that means when you walk into your house, like you didn't get most of that stuff, the stuff that you enjoy when you open up the fridge, when you look in your own closet, someone was helping you. All right, guys, it's a fact. When you go to the, the birthday party for the kid down the street or whatever, someone was thinking about that kid and it wasn't you. It's a, it's a fact. And so when it says that she's like a merchant ship, this is, we could just glaze over this. But it's like, no, she, she's concerned with the family and with the, her relationships and her spheres. And, it, and, it, and it's valuable to her. It's not just, oh, I'm going to go spend all the money. It's like, no, no, no. We need to help those around us. We're going to find that uh, from her as well. In a little bit, verse 15, it says, she rises while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. And I just want to pause. Uh, how many of the ladies, you don't have to raise your hands, but you rise while it's still night. I can tell you with four kids, my wife is often up while it's still night. And this, 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 is, this is valuable to this woman in the proverb. And I want you to also notice this archetype woman. Um, she's a wealthy woman. 
So uh, when we look through this, I don't want you to miss that because it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be wealthy. But when we're trying to measure ourselves against this, remember that this woman is a wealthy woman. She has maids. But I also want you to look at her personality. She has maids and who's feeding the maids. She's not a rich woman that says, hey, by the way, you're my servant. Get up, make my food. When I wake up, it better be ready for me. She's not like that. Her character isn't like that. She gets up before everyone else and she starts making food, even for the maids. It's, it's different than our American culture. There's no doubt. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. And from her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So she's, she considers, she strategizes, she thinks things out. She's an entrepreneur. She's looking at investments. She's trying to determine if this investment's going to be worth uh, the cost. Verse 17, she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. In this verse, uh, this strength and making her arms strong really probably shows that she's planning, she's working in that field. So she didn't just buy the field and say, hey, go ahead and go get after it, all the servants and maids, see if we could turn a pro- uh, some, some uh, money here, a profit. Instead, she's saying, I bought a field. She's out in it. She's working it with everyone else. It's very interesting. Verse 18, she, she senses that her grain is good and her lamp does not go out at night. So as she's in the field working it, she's getting strong, she's helping. But she also senses, hey, this grain, the, the produce is good. And then her lamp doesn't go out at night. She's up before sunrise and at night her lamp is still on. She's still working. She's a, she is a hard worker. She would not be the sluggard that you see all throughout the rest of the Proverbs. This lady doesn't match up with that. Verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands to grasp the spindle. So she, she works with clothing as well and textiles. We find that she, she makes uh, clothing for her family. Verse 20, she extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. This woman isn't only concerned with herself. She's not only concerned with her family. She's concerned with others. Jesus comes along and he talks about uh, the two great commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all. And we find that at the end of this passage that she does. But then he also says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the Proverbs 31 woman, she does that. Not just in word, but in deed. Uh, Verse 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She's not worried about the future because she's already thought about it. She's not worried about her kids. I I know my wife, I'll just speak for uh, of my family context. My wife will buy winter coats way before winter. She'll be up here in Waukee. She knows where the good garage sales are. And Waukee has some good garage sales. Urbandale, you guys got it made more so than Indianola. So she's a merchant ship. She goes out. She hits all these deals. She's buying all this stuff way before it comes up. I'm waiting until it's like really cold and then I'm like on Amazon or something trying to just pull it down, right? Get it here as fast as we can get it or swing through Walmart. This woman, she's planning ahead. She's not afraid of it. She's got her her kids all figured out so much so that then she turns to the poor and she's helping them out. Verse 22, she makes coverings for, uh, for herself and her clothing is fine linen and purple. I, I want to pause for a second. We're going to talk about value um, when we get to the end here, but think about what this woman values. What's really, really important to her. Remember when we said, we're going to set up the perfect or the ideal woman, that what you value is really important. 
And I just want to show that this, this lady is very concerned with her household. She's very concerned with her kids. She's very concerned with those in her immediate, her servants, the people that she knows, her relationships. And when she starts to set things up, she makes food for the kids and for the servants. She makes clothing and then she starts uh, reaching out. So her confidence, as we're going to find, it, it, she, she focuses small. She kind of aims small, miss small. I don't want to make everyone happy. I'm not here to make everybody uh, be wowed at the kind of person I am. I'm going to just make sure that these things are, are in order. And I'm going to focus on that regardless of what everybody else says. And as it goes out, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to, I'm going to get out and uh, make good decisions, good investments. We're going to find out that she, even, um, that she even starts selling to merchants and so forth. But as, she, as this kind of influence continues to go out, she doesn't forget herself in it. And, and sometimes um, I think that I know that some of the mothers that I know they're so concerned with the things, um, all that's happening, that sometimes they forget themselves. And I want you to know that biblically, it's okay to do something for yourself. Her Verse uh, 22, where it says her clothing is fine linen and purple. She feels very okay to go ahead and spend some money on herself, to go ahead and, and, and make some clothing for herself, because she knows the kids are taken care of. I'm giving money and stuff to the poor. I'm helping other people. I've got a business that's kind of rolling here. Why shouldn't I wear something nice? It's all taken care of. If someone wants to fault find me, I'm going to say, hey, my kids are doing good. The business is okay. I'm helping other people out. Why shouldn't I dress nice? She's unashamed to, to be dignified in that way. Verse 23, her husband knows is known at the gates. The husband has talked very little in this passage of scripture. And so when he's brought in here, the idea is probably he's very known in the gates uh, when he sits among the elders of the land because of her virtue. Because of who she is. She has a rec- she's made uh, a reputation. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies bait, uh, belts to the tradesmen. Um, it's interesting here. She found a niche market and she just went for it. She's selling, she's selling. We got to roll through here, man. I'm getting long-winded. Verse 25, strength and dignity are clothing. And she smiles at the future. Um, strength and dignity are clothing. So whereas before it was talking about her strength because she's working in the field, strength and dignity here is her personality and where she's at. She's a, she is a, a strong, dignified woman. She doesn't have to put her head down. She's not servile in that way. She is a strong, dignified woman. She smiles at the future. She's not afraid. She's not nervous. She doesn't struggle with anxiety. Verse 26, she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. When people, people want to know what this woman has to say, people do come to her and ask for advice. Verse 27, she looks to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. We've seen that. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. In other words, who she is and what she does, let that stand as a testimony to all those around her. She is worthy to be praised. She is dignified. She does fear the Lord. And this is how uh, God has chosen to end his book of Proverbs, this book on wisdom. Now, I want to take a few uh, minutes here to the things that uh, I really want to, I really want to draw out and highlight. Let's, let's look at some of these cultural issues. Women's equality. 
Women's equality today. The world is telling you that equality is sameness. That equality is sameness. And, and at first glance, this sounds good. That, that everything is the same. That all jobs should be the same. That all uh, that the bathrooms are the same. That your opportunities ought to be all the same. That it's all just the same, same, same. And so I was even in a wedding. I was officiating a wedding yesterday. And I'm looking at husband and wife and this joining. And it's beautiful. And I'm thinking, culture is trying to say same, same, same. Same in gender. It doesn't matter whatsoever. That's not a biblical concept. It's not a biblical concept. Equality is not in sameness. I'm so adamant about that. Equality is in value. It's in value. <clears throat> God doesn't want everyone to be the same. <laughs> we should be so happy he doesn't want everyone to be the same. 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about uh, in the church, and it talks about all the body parts within the church. So let's just get away from the male-female situation here that's so tense and say, does God want everyone to be the same in the church? He says, eyes and hands and feet and ears and nose. You're different. You're different. And we talk about diversity today. It's such a big deal, like diversity, diversity. But then once we start to draw apart differences, it's like, watch out. It's going to be fighting words. That's because it's okay to be different. In the kingdom of God, it's very much okay to be different. Because your value isn't based on sameness. Your value is what gives you uh, uh, equality in the kingdom of God. So how do we know everybody's the same? Jesus shed blood equals our value. How do we know that all people are worth, have value? All nations, colors. Let's be, let's be real here for a second. Um, I'm going to pause for an, another minute on this because this is so big for me. I think that we need to really evaluate this. In America, I can tell you your value based on the org chart. So you look at the org chart. Who's at the top of the org chart? And you're really important. You have a lot of value. How much do you make? This is where you're at. And that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not an org chart. The kingdom of God says you are all different with different responsibilities, but your value is the same. It's the shed blood of Jesus. How much were you worth? Well, you were separated from God and Jesus purchased you. And, the, and your color, it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Does this make sense for you guys? You guys hearing me on this? This is important. Uh, equality is not sameness. Equality is value. The second one, uh, freedom, the woman's freedom. Freedom for my independence. The, the, the culture is telling you that you need to be independent, that women live in the shackles of expectations of others. And I think to some degree that's true. Culture says that you're in a prison that you need to escape to some degree, that you need to live for yourself. You need to do what you want to do. You need to put yourself in the center of my needs and then see what happens. Culture would say that for men. Culture would say that for kids. Culture will say that for anyone. You need to just do what you want. And the Bible doesn't say that. It says that, Freedom is, comes to live like Christ. Freedom it doesn't exist just for you to do what you want to do all the time. Freedom exists so that you can live like Christ, that Jesus has come and made us free. And so in that freedom that we can live like Jesus, and what did Jesus do? He came to be a servant of all. Jesus says, I came to serve, not, uh, to, not to be served. I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. The Holy Spirit came as a helper. The disciples looked at Jesus washing their feet and says, don't even do it, Lord. Don't do it. And in Christianity, this doesn't just go for ladies. This goes for everyone. This was what Jesus set up. Uh, freedom, it says, when Christ has made you free, you are free indeed. That you will know the truth, and that's the gospel, and the, and the truth will set you free. God is all about freedom. But freedom isn't for our independence. Freedom is to be like Jesus. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The last part is this, women's beauty. This is... 
frustrating to me. The world says that beauty is the body. It's just plainly beauty is the body. Nearly all classification for women in America and our culture revolves around this. It just, it's just driving me crazy. I'm on a platform. I can't shout it loud enough. It drives me so crazy. It sounds so trite for a Christian to say, well, it's not just the body. But guys, I'm here to tell you, like you're butted right up against a gym that, that they're desperately trying. Health is good. But if it's beauty for the body, it's, that's not worth it. Beauty is not the body according to God. Beauty is not the body. Beauty is behavior. God looks through this whole thing and he says, a person who acts like this, a person who lives like this, this is beautiful. If beauty was just the body, little kids couldn't be beautiful, right? All ages wouldn't be beautiful. People of different circumstance and physical ailments and disabilities, they couldn't be beautiful. And God would, that's not what God says. That's not his message at all. He says, beauty is not the body. Beauty is behavior. First Peter three, five, uh, first Peter three, verses three through five says this, your adornment must not be merely external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold and jewelry or putting on dresses. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with this imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, the former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. God says that there's beauty is, is the way that you live your life under God. Uh, and God looks down and says, all people have the opportunity to be extremely beautiful in that. So let's just as a quick recap, equality is not sameness. Don't try to be like everyone else. Equality comes in value. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, all people have value. And women's freedom your freedom is not for your independence. If you live for yourself, you will not be in the kingdom of God. God says that you need to understand that you put him first and we will live under Christ. And the beauty is not the body. Beauty is behavior. Uh, their takeaway slide here will kind of flash up there. What is Proverbs 31 teaching you today? I encourage you, if you guys get into some groups or you want to sit around and you have coffee with people, uh, feel free to disagree with certain aspects of what it was that I was going over today. But I want you guys to discuss it uh, because there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion in this. Who needs to know that they are equal in value? I would say in your social context and circles, somebody needs to know the gospel. Somebody's trying so hard to get value and they can't shed the weight or they can't do something or they had this job and they got laid off and their value just diminished. And it's like, dude, you need to tell them they have value right now. And it's not found in any of that. It's found under Christ. All right. Uh, how are you using your freedom? Are you magnifying yourself or just are you trying to magnify Christ? And what is Christ like uh, behavior is most beautiful to you? When you start uh, when you start looking at people walking around, I want you to think what's beautiful. You can't see it. You have to know the person a little bit, or you can see someone helping a child or someone doing this behavior that's beautiful. And you say, whoa, God, that you, you see that, don't you, Lord? You see that from heaven and you think it's great. Um, church family, uh, this is a tough, this is just, I feel like a, it's a tough topic in our culture. There's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions. I want you to think about what God's opinion is when it comes to these topics. I want you to use God's word as, as your foundation and learn through that. Um, I think that we'll all be 
uh, filled with more joy, more peace, patience, goodness, kindness, as we discover uh, the Holy Spirit of God teaching us who he would want us to be. Let's pray as a church family and we wrap up today.